Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Investing and my guest today is Nikki Ballou. So welcome Nikki, great to have you on here. Great to be here Karen, thank you so much. So Nikki, you are an expert is the word I will use here on thought leadership. Would you like to tell me a little bit about how you got started in that and what thought leadership is for you? Well, one of my mentors is a fellow by the name of Matt Church, and the way that he explains thought leadership is by drawing a distinction between an expert and a thought leader. And he said an expert is someone who knows something, while a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. Another way to put it is an expert is like a cover band, while a thought leader plays original music. Experts are a dime a dozen, but thought leaders are rare and valuable. And, you know, my own background is I'm an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. When I was a young boy, my um, late father, you know, decided to do something very important. Um, the Islamic Revolution was taking place in Iran, and he thought this wasn't going to be a great place to raise a Christian family. So he got us out of Iran, and he settled us in the West. Uh, eventually, we settled where I now live in Toronto, Canada. And at the time, you know, I was a kid, I didn't want to leave my home, but looking back, it was the single greatest thing my father could have done for us. He changed the legacy of our family's history from tyranny to freedom. And as a result of that, I've become the biggest champion for freedom there is. I believe that anyone's in business owes a debt to the people that have made freedom possible for all of us. These are the uh, founding father types, the philosophers, you know, the English uh, nobleman at the time of the Magna Carta, the American founding fathers at the time of the American Revolution, and uh, all the men and women who fought, bled, died to defeat tyrants and to give all of us the blanket of freedom under which we can pursue our dreams, pursue building wealth, pursue creating a great family life. And I think that's important. And my father made that possible for us. What a fantastic great... legacy to have. Yeah, yeah. And he's the greatest man I ever knew. You know, he was a man, if he knew you and you were looking for work, he'd, he'd work the phones till he found you a job. If you were looking to start a business, he'd help you get going, including introduce you to people you needed to meet and help you get some clients and all that sort of thing. And if you were looking to buy a car or a house and you didn't quite enough, have enough money and the bank wouldn't give you any more, he'd top you up so you could buy that car or house. He'd call it a loan, but he'd never take the money back. <laughs> what he was like, you know? And I, I sought to be like my dad. I wanted to be an uplifter of human beings and humanity. And my dad would always tell me, son, life is about people. It's not about money. It's not about what's in it for you. It's about people and helping people. And you do that, you're going to live a rich life. And he was right. So what made you become an entrepreneur? How did you get into that? Well, dad was an entrepreneur. You know, <laughs> he wanted to be just like him. And that really was at the end of it. And entrepreneurs, to me, other than the men and women who fight in the military and, and, and help keep our freedoms alive, they're the most important heroes our society has. They've got a vision to go after a dream and make it come alive. And, you know, I want to see every entrepreneur succeed. So I'm an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs. I'm, I'm the one who coaches the entrepreneurs, supports them, gives them uh, faith in themselves and helps them win. That's my thing. So um, you've moved into, I say you've moved in. Have you always done thought leadership or is it something that you've evolved 
into? Well, I've been doing thought leadership since 2016. Uh, at the time, I had a business partner, and uh, he introduced me to the concept. Uh, you know, and it, it's really a, a great way to show people how they can stand out, and that's that's what I teach people how to do. I mean, you need a message that makes you sound different from everybody else. So that's what we're all about. We help people do that. And we help people come up with some original thinking around that message that they can use to solve problems for people. Because what's business? It's about solving problems for people for profit. Yeah. You have to understand what are the key problems people have. You have to understand how you can solve those problems. What's the outcome you're gonna to offer to them? And once you've done that, boom. So, you know, when we, for me, I'm an investor. Right? Business is the number one investment that a person can make because if you, you can't make money through invest uh, through your business, you haven't got any money to invest. Right? Yeah. So for me, business is a huge part of that. How did you actually define the type of business that you wanted and how you were going to grow that business and move into the area that you're in now? Well, like I said, you know, I had a, a partner I worked with and uh, he introduced me to the concept of thought leadership. So that's how I got into it. It wasn't some grand plan. It was just <laughs> going through life and as, uh, opportunities were put before me i took them you know that's that's kind of my my approach to it um the dreams i had when i was a kid i want i wanted to go to west point become an officer and fight communism you know and uh then i wanted to write actually i do write i've written 10 books which is terrific i've got a couple more coming out that's what it was all about for me so what were you doing before? You said you had a partner of business. What was what were you actually doing then before you made the shift? Was it something to help you grow your business, which is how you moved into thought leadership? Was it, uh, I'm just trying to get a little bit more background there as to what you were doing and why you made the shift. Well, I've always been uh, as an entrepreneur in the business of helping other entrepreneurs. So I provided coaching programs, workshops, books, podcasts, mastermind groups. That's always been what I've been into. But thought leadership just was a natural evolution, I guess, that came through my partner saying, hey, look, this is good. This is something we can use to help people and it can help us. And so really that was it. Um, but for the last 20 years, I've been doing one form of coaching or another, actually, since 2002. Fantastic. And why coaching? I know you said you wanted to help people and you saw ideas, well, things from your father and all that, but... That was it. That was, the, that was the source of it, to want to be of service to other people. I know for me, it was an accident that I became a coach. You know, so... I love writing. Like you, I write books and I, I just love writing. Um, and somebody stopped me in the street with a book in his hand and said, will you coach me? And I said, yeah, not a problem. Go home to my husband. What do I do? I've never coached anyone before. That started a coaching business for me. And it's a steep learning curve. So, yeah, I was just trying to understand more the the mindset around um 
coaching the people and why you wanted to actually do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it all came from, you know, uh, being my father's son, as it were. So you work with other coaches. Yep. You're helping them define their message. And I have, I follow you on um, your Facebook page. So it's interesting seeing some of the, the comments and things that come through. What do you see is one of the biggest hurdles for um, coaches that you work with to get over? Well, that's an interesting question. I think for every human being, there are a number of um, fundamental insecurities that are part of being human. One of them is, is, is fear, right? Uh, and that fear is like, am I safe in this world? Is this a safe universe? And the, the other one is, do I matter? Uh, am I important? Uh, and everybody kind of has that question, that series of questions going through their being 24 seven, 365, right? And that's what gets in the way of them being their best version of themselves. So for me, you know, on the surface of it, people don't make enough money. They don't have enough impact. They don't have enough influence as they want to, but to help them get more money, more impact, greater influence. It's important to help answer the question. Are you safe? Yeah, you're safe. And do you matter? Yes, you matter. Really, that's the, the bottom line. And part of my job when I meet with somebody is to help them feel safe and help them feel like they're important and they matter. So, you know, in our discussion today, uh, I'm smiling a lot. I'm being friendly. I'm answering your questions. And I'm also <laughs> telling you, hey, this is great. What you're doing is great. And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you hope, hopefully something that makes you feel like, wow, it was cool having this guy on my show. You know, he brought some good energy. He brought some good insights. That was great. And in the back of your mind, part of what I'd want it to answer for you in your version of the question is, do I matter is, yeah. See, interesting people want to hang out with me, want to want to spend an hour with me. You know what I mean? That's kind of part of my job in whatever I do, whether I come on a podcast, do a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, write a book, you know, do an event, do a webinar, blah, 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 blah. That's what's got to happen. And then as far as the specifics are, well, look, I had a fellow was a um, client of mine and unfortunately he passed away from cancer last summer. God rest his soul. He had been a uh, senior vice president at a um, large corporation, left there to become a coach, you know, type of story you might recognize, right? Maybe there's part of his story that's even your story, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so he loved coaching, but he did not love how much or how little money he made at it because he made a lot of money as a senior vice president. As a coach, he did not make a lot of money. He wasn't broke, but you know, he wasn't happy. So he came to us and he was like, gag nabbit, I want to make more money. And so we worked with him and his message was just a mess. So we helped him get his message straight. But his mindset was what we needed to work on the most. And I wouldn't tell him that in my coaching uh, sales pitch to him. But once he came and he joined us, uh, he figured it out and his mindset was hit. 
And he went from making, I don't know, 90,000 a year as a coach to making $50,000 a month as a coach. So in two months, he made more than he used to make in a year. And that's what thought leadership made possible for him. And that's what we made possible for him. I mean, he did all the work, don't get me wrong. I didn't do any of the work. He did all the work, but I helped him see what he wasn't seeing. And I gave him uh, a blueprint for what to do. And boom, it took him fewer than six months to go from where he was to where he wanted to be. So, you know, that was $8,000 a month to $50,000 a month. That's like sixfold. That's awesome. That's like huge. awesome. It's a huge transition. And like you said, you've created a pathway for people to move through, to have that transition, to be able to make the money yeah. within their business. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's honestly what's needed, you know, uh, and this fellow um, was smart. He could have figured all this out for himself, but he just didn't know how. And everybody needs somebody to show him a way to do something. I mean, earlier this year, I, um, I used to be a, a fitness coach. And when I got out of that and I got into business coaching, I gained weight over a 12 year period. I gained 50 pounds and I just looked at myself and I finally said to myself, stop enough. You're going to get back into shape. And I said, and you're going to stop telling yourself you're a trainer. You're not a trainer anymore. You, you, you knew what to do. You don't know what to do anymore. Hire someone who can coach you. So I hired a coach and within six months, I dropped 58 pounds. You know, so why was that powerful? Why was that important for me? Uh, it was important because my self-confidence had been taking a hit. It was important because, you know, I needed to prove to myself that I could take on a big goal and make it happen, a goal that didn't seem easily doable. And everybody, and I needed somebody, I needed this man's help. That's why I hired him. Everybody needs somebody to guide them somewhere. Maybe you want to go from however much money you're making right now to making 10 times as much. Well, get a guide. Yeah. You know, maybe your clients need your help to help them, you know, generate more wealth. They need to hire you. They need you as a guide. And that's something that has raised two things, two points for me to think about here. The first one is when you recognize that someone needs to make a transition and most of it comes around the, man's, the mindset, do you find that the clients put a barrier up and you're having to try and work to bring that barrier down? That's yeah, like I said, there is um, a difference between... Uh, a conversation I have with someone to become a client and the conversation I have with someone once they're a client. So you don't get to become my client if you're not coachable. Hmm. You just don't. If I, in the conversations that we have, if I'm clear that you're going to be a problem, I won't work with you. Yeah. And I recommend every coach have a similar attitude. 
your wisdom is what they're paying you for. If they're unwilling to respect your wisdom, they are not a good fit for you. The other part of that question that I was going to ask is one of the things that I particularly find is that when people come on a course, it's almost like, because I teach investing, it's like they're expecting me to do the work for them instead of guiding them on a path. And again, that comes down to how you're assessing the people. But is that another um, well, objection that you have to over get your clients to overcome before they can work with you? Well, it's, you know, I see an objection as an objection they have. Mm. I qualify my clients. And I would recommend to you or any other coach I was working with, do not work with anybody who does not understand that their success is their responsibility and that you are there to guide them to do the work. Like this fellow that I hired, he wasn't going to do the weight workouts for me. Hmm. He was going to outline for me what I needed to do. I got to lift the weights. And if you're taking on a client and it's obvious to you that they're not ready to do the work, you shouldn't take on that client. That's malpractice in my opinion. So when you work with someone, what are, do you, I assume you put the outlines together, the outcomes, the, the results that you actually want that person to be, well, mutually you want to achieve. Do you actually push them harder than they think they can actually do? Look, I, uh, you know, I have an approach that I take in the world of coaching, right? And the most important part is the qualification of the client. Do they get to work with me? And if I'm clear that this is somebody who gets to work with me, honestly, there's no massive push required. They're going to show up on the calls. Yeah. They're going to come and do the work. Um, I'm not here to chase people. I, I don't do that. And I don't recommend you do that as a coach. You know, the four qualities that people need to have before they get to work with me is one is they got to be decisive. They need to have made a decision that this is it. They no longer are willing to put up with their current situation. Secondly, is they got to be committed. There is no trying this. There is they're in it to win it. Thirdly, they have to be coachable. They have to take the coaching and they have to, you know, fourthly, be resourceful and ready to invest in themselves. I won't work with you. Like if you said, Nikki, I'd like to explore working with you. I'm happy to do that. I'll do that with pretty much anybody. But I have a series of questions I ask. And in those questions, it becomes very obvious to me whether we're a good fit for each other. Yeah. And if you're a coach and you're having clients that are giving you a lot of trouble. My advice is fire them all, fire them all. Even if it means you got no revenue because it'll make space for you to bring on the clients that won't give you trouble because you want a client who's going to come to the calls with bells on, who's going to do everything you tell them to do and who's ready to act. What you don't want is somebody who's going to come and blame you and <laughs> I know it, it's one of the things I find because um, 
yeah, people get eager to make money or to build a business or whatever they sign up with you to do. But I really enjoy the process of the clients who really want to build that wealth that I eventually go on and do joint ventures with. And that to me is, hey, I know that's the type of person I really want to work with and I end up joint venturing with them. Well, there you go. Then, then you understand, right? You don't yeah. want to be around people who don't understand you or who you are or what you're all about. Yeah. So it's an important message to get out there that you want the right people to be working with. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. So you've mentioned you've written 10 books. Tell me a bit about your books. Well, um, the majority of my books are uh, business books. So I, I wrote Finish Line Thinking, first edition and second edition, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. These are books that are just designed to help you um, learn how to apply the mindset of a gold medal winning champion, because I used to work with Olympic gold medalists, to your life, to your business. Um, I wrote another book called... Um, uh, thought leader's journey a fable of life which is uh, written in the form of a fable for someone who's working at a job and decides to leave and start a business then i wrote the power of connecting how to activate profitable relationships by serving your network it's about how most people don't understand that the people they already know are a rich source of business for them and they don't really go and attempt to cultivate their own network and then um i also wrote uh uh, how to create a million dollar a year income, which I wrote with a client of mine who makes a million dollars a year. So we wrote that to teach people how to do that. I wrote a children's book called Kathy Capitalist and John Jobmaker, teaching little kids about capitalism and free enterprise. I wrote a health and fitness book and I wrote three political books. Out of the books you've written, which would you say is your favorite? Which one would you tell people, hey, if you're going to read one of my books, go out and grab this one? Well, it really depends on who the individual is and what their interests are. If you're a parent, you should get my kids' books and read it to your kids. If you're a business person, you should probably start with finish line thinking because it's short, sweet, and to the point. Uh, you'll get it done quickly. If you're interested in politics, then I'd have you read one of my political books. I have a lot of clients and I know like if you you look at some um, bucket lists, they say 90% of people want to write a book on their bucket list. Like, it's huge. And most of them don't. How do you set everything up to get into the writing? How, what sort of mindset and process do you go through with writing? Well, you know, um... Actually, I'm doing something next week on September 13th, where I'm teaching people how to get the first draft of their book done using AI. Um, so you might want to come check that out. But uh, what we do is we, um, we show people how they come in with an idea, and then with AI, they get the first draft of their book done. But for myself, you know, I, I, I look at book as like a task, like lifting weights every day. I write a little bit, you know, so I sit down and that's how I get it done. Uh, and it's, um, 
it's not how everybody get, does it, but it's certainly how I like to do it. When I'm writing a book, I set aside half an hour, an hour a day minimum, and I write. And that works. You know, it's uh, it's like going to the gym. Huh. You, you work out every day and you're going to stay healthy. If, if you only work out once every six months, not so much. <laughs> I, it's interesting you say that because my approach is a bit different, but I, I remember talking to Teddy Hayes. He's um, Grammy nominee and um, a music producer, a film director. He, he writes crime novels. And he said to me, first thing he does when he gets up in the morning is he's got an hour set aside and he writes before he even sits down for breakfast or anything like that. He gets out and he writes. Good for him. That's excellent. That's smart. I, I think that's good. You need a daily practice of anything. You got to have a daily practice. Yeah, me, I, I'm one of those people that I get the idea and I just have to write until I finish the book. So everything sort of gets put on the back burner and my whole day is taking up writing and writing until I've got that out of my mind. And I know a lot of people can't put that time into it. If that works for you, then good for you. I, it's, uh, you know, everybody's got to have an approach that works for them. Yeah. The, the point is to be consistent. You know, you can't get anything done if you just dream about it and never do anything about it. So you mentioned you've got this on the 13th of September around AI. What's your feelings about AI? A lot of people are... Uh, I it's see a lot here. of bad and good and... It's here, you can't be Luddites and pretend it's not gonna be here. So you may as well learn about it and learn how to use it. So, you know, AI is not going away. Trust me. It's one of those things. And I think, you know, I gotta admit, I use AI not to write my content, but to give me ideas. And I'll just go in there and say, give me 10 headings that I could write and then that becomes blogs that I put out around my topics. So it's- That's great. Oh, but I've asked it to write things for me and then I've gone through and I've gone, cross that out, cross that out, cross that out. <laughs> but you know what? The first draft is the hardest. So it's okay if you cross out everything it writes, but at least the ideas are down on paper and you can start to uh, work with them. Hmm. You know, I wrote a book with AI in 90 minutes, and right now I'm rewriting it myself. I'm going into it. I'm in the introduction uh, phase, and I sat with it, and, I, and I, I've rewritten most of the introduction. There's some aspects of it I've kept. There's other aspects of it that I've junked entirely, and there's other aspects of it which I've just expanded upon. You know, I've added a couple of personal elements because AI doesn't know your personal stories no. and you need to put your personal stories into whatever you write, in my opinion. So I'm going to be doing that. I'm, I'm putting in some of my personal stories into uh, what uh, this AI algorithm put together for me. But the book is going to be completely mine when it's done. But AI helped me put together the chapter outlines, helped me uh, determine which are the right topics to write about. I think it's great. And people that are like, oh my God, robots are going to take over. And I'm like, listen, human beings are very, very important. 
and you, you will never be able to replace human beings. We're not looking at a Skynet future from Terminator, right? <laughs> That's but the fear factor coming in. <laughs> you gotta understand that life goes on, man. It goes on. What, what are you gonna do? Pretend it's not there? Like, right, that's insane. I, I, like you said, you've got that base you can work with because everybody has a style of writing and they have a rhythm. I like to call it the music of writing. And you have a, a rhythm that you use when you actually uh, write the books and you can be writing the great writers they can use a tempo that's very slow and melodic if it's a sad story or very upbeat tempo if it's a, you know, it needs to be a action thing that they're writing. And AI can't pick any of that up. So it is something that that editing that you do and you put the things in and out yourself, that gets your rhythm for the book. And that's what people actually buy is the way you write. That's my opinion on uh, writing anyway. Absolutely. It's got to have a personal touch to it. Mm. Podcasts. We mentioned podcasts. You have a podcast yourself. Would you like to tell me a little bit or tell our audience well, a little bit about that? I actually have two podcasts. I've got one called The Thought Leader Revolution, why I interview some of the world's top thought leaders. Uh, and they talk to me about their area of expertise and how they've used it to build a brand for themselves. So I've had people like Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup for the Soul and Mark Victor Hansen also from Chicken Soup, Dr. John Maxwell, who's the world's leading author on leadership. I've had people on like um, uh, Marie Forleo, who was Oprah Winfrey's coach, Marie Diamond from the movie The Secret. I had James Ray from The Secret as well. I've had all kinds of super, super cool people. Some very famous, some not so famous, but they're all very accomplished at what they've done. And those are the types of people I bring on that show. And my audience are folks who want to learn from people like that. Folks who want to go, wow, I want to be like them. They, they have an aspirational desire to be like these folks. So that's that. And then I've got another podcast that's for men. It's called The Sovereign Man. I think we're living in a time where men and masculinity are not valued the way they used to be. And I'm all about showing men how to value themselves as men and how to value masculinity and how to live as honorable masculine men. So that's what that podcast is all about. I actually like that one because I often think there is so much geared, like I, I see a lot that's geared towards women, but men seem to be overlooked a lot. And so I like to hear when there's something that's aimed directly at the male audience. I think men yeah. tend to be more i've got to be stoic about this and all that sort of thing but it is nice when there's something that they can reach out to 100 percent, 100 percent. so I, I like to yeah we're, we're sorry getting a bit tongue-tied here the uh podcasts they can be picked up on the normal challenge mm -hmm. Yeah, anywhere, you know, iTunes, Spotify, all those guys are, are there. So, you know, if you, if you type in my name, Nikki Baloo, you'll find them, the Thought Leader Revolution or Sovereign Man podcast. Those are the ones that are there. So I'm, I love hosting. I have great guests on um, and we talk about really cool and interesting topics. So uh, come on by and check it out.
Sounds good. And I'm sure after this, people are just going to be zooming in on your podcast because there's a lot of really great information you're sharing with us today. Um, on the show, it's really great to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Going back to the coaching, and you were talking about how you identify the types of people that you want to work with. I know you do a free coaching call. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do people get hold of you for that coaching call? Um, you know, all you got to do is go to my uh, link for it. It's called ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Or you just go to the website, ecircleacademy, and there's a, a button that says book. What well, we, we call it a success call. I kind of like that brand, the success call to help uplift your success. But that's the best way to get a hold of uh me on my calendar and i'll give you a 45 minute coaching session to really help you get clear on your goal to help you get clear on why you're not attaining it and to put a blueprint together for how to achieve it so there'll be plenty of value in there for you and it's free so take advantage of it great so can you repeat that um line again ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. Thank you. So I will actually put the link in um, on the YouTube channel. I'll put the link in underneath so that uh, people can go on awesome. there. Awesome. What, what advice would you like to give anybody who's wanting to get into coaching? Um decide that you want to do this, make that decision, no retreat, commit to it. Don't say I'm going to try it out, commit to it, be in it to win it, hire coaches and guides like me, like Karen, to guide you through the process. Because uh, the most important investments you're going to make are in yourself and be resourceful, come up with uh, the time, the money, the energy to make it happen. That's my biggest pieces of advice. Well, that's fantastic for our listeners and for anybody. Get out there and just get the right people behind you. And Nikki is one of the best, especially on the thought leadership and getting that message sorted. So Nikki, I want to thank you very much for your time today. We've had... Um, it's been interesting trying to get together. We've had a few um, hiccups along the way, yeah, but it's been well worth waiting to get this um, call underway. So thank you again for your time. Um, just a reminder to people, you can book a free coaching call with Nikki at um, ecircleacademy.com backslash appointment. And uh, you can get that there podcast any podcast station you'll be able to pick up nikki's um podcast there and books amazon i'm assuming they can pick the books up anywhere on amazon just by putting your name in yes thank you very much for being on here it's been great working talking to you and getting to know a little bit more about you nikki you're a lovely host god bless you thank you so much thank you